Hi everyone, this is the Challenger Podcast HR Passport. I'm Colleen Madden-Blumenfeld. I had the great pleasure of talking to our EVP International, Rick Cobb. He has been with the company for a long time and has been an outplacement for a long time. And we just had a great discussion about HR trends and global HR trends and what outplacement really is. Uh, This conversation kind of happened organically. It kind of came out of nowhere. So the beginning of the recording is a little bumpy, but it was a great conversation and I'm happy to present it now. Okay, we are doing the Challenger podcast, HR Passport for trends and issues of the day. I am here with our new EVP International, uh, who's, but he's been with Challenger for a long time. He's uh, titan of industry, Rick Cobb. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, so I think I wanna talk a little bit about what Challenger does and what outplacement is. I kind of call it the best thing you've never heard of. Sure. Most people haven't have no idea what outplacement is. Well, it's, it's interesting. I have been with the company a long time, and I remember when I started uh, 28 years ago, there were people that didn't know what outplacement was. Mm-hmm. And so that you would say to them, you should spend money to help people that are leaving your company find another job. And you got sort of that twisted dog, mm-hmm. you know, the dog that hears a weird noise, head movement. <laughs> Why would I do that? And of course, we started to look at, uh, initially, it's it's the right thing to do. It's, it's, it's best for the company and your culture and your own psyche to take care of people that are leaving. Um, but it also has the, uh, the added advantage of reducing a lot of your exposures, your risks. Uh, if someone finds a new job, they're no longer uh, on unemployment, which we end up paying for as employers anyway. Um, your, your brand stay is retained. The unemployment agencies or the state employment agencies as they're now called uh, won't raise your experience rating, so the cost for every one of your uh, full-time employees either stays low or doesn't go up. Um, but I think the the other thing that we do with with uh, outplacements, it, it's the process of a company helping its former employees find meaningful new employment. That's really the the sum and substance of of outplacement. Right. And just about helping people. I mean, generally. Yeah, it is. It, it really is about helping. It, you can, if you want to be uh, somewhat cynical about it, the roots are, are guilt. But <laughs> sure. it's okay to feel guilty if you've done something that's harmed somebody. Um, the challenge today is, though, that as a, more and more of a commodity business, uh, the actual result, people actually finding new meaningful work, um, has gotten a little lost. There's a lot of decisions now that are made several levels bef- below even human resources or senior management in kind of the procurement model mm-hmm. where um, I hate to say this but it's sort of like we feel X guilty divided by 1200 people means we feel $250 guilty per person. Right, right. Yeah. Um, we'll talk a little bit about your new role and kind of what Challenger is doing to expand internationally. Sure. Uh, we've always had a global presence. We've always done work around the world, but uh, we've never had our own bricks and mortar footprint. And so as a product, as, a, as, as an extension of that, what you do is you find people that are sort of like-minded, think the way you do, want to deliver similar services, uh, care about the clients, the people that we're taking uh, into our care to help them find new work. And we did that for years. As a matter of fact, some of the first 
European providers of outplacement services, Pauline Hyde among them, came to Winnetka and met with Jim Challenger to learn how to do what she didn't know. What it, she didn't know what outplacement was. So how do you do this thing called outplacement? Mm -hmm. uh, of course, now it's a it's a huge industry in pretty much every developed nation, um, and our partners. Uh, tended to be somewhat smaller than us and more of a boutique level in terms of not just attitude but even size. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time we continue to grow. We've grown organically every year I've been here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I take full credit for that. Absolutely. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've grown uh, every year organically. We've never done any acquisitions. Mm -hmm. But we've really built uh, a very strong partner relationship at the chief HR officer level in many major organizations now. And the expectation is they want the same sorts of, of quality services that Challenger provides in the U.S. to be provided elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, one of our big uh, competitors, the biggest in the, in the world, the wholly owned subsidiary of the largest staffing company in the world, um, bought one of our other big competitors. Mm -hmm. And unbeknownst to me, uh, some really phenomenal, talented, very large outplacement providers around the world were, uh, for lack of a better word, kicked to the curb. <laughs> and they started calling. Uh, the awkward part of that was I had just agreed to be on the board of our current global group mm -hmm. uh, when these stellar companies like Penna and Knightsbridge and what was Mariaka, now Stato, von Rundstadt in Germany uh, came and said, hey, we, we are looking for a partner in the U.S. So I accepted the board position for our previous group, say on a Monday, uh, got a bunch of calls and emails, talked to John, and turned in my resignation Tuesday. <laughs> the shortest board, uh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get a Tenure package. Ever, no. I got no gold parachute, I got nothing. <laughs> I just immediately, uh, I accept, I know I don't. That's pretty much how it went. Mm -hmm. uh, so I ran away at the altar. Um, the group that we're in now is absolutely phenomenal. We've gone from a, a startup in four and a half years, not even four year, four and a half years, less, a little over four years, to the largest outplacement provider organization in the world. And that organization is? It's called Career Star Group. Yes. Uh, we could not call it Career Star Alliance, which was our first thought, but I guess someone already has that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is a very exciting time for Career Star Group yeah. also, because it's just growing and, and connecting more, and you're trying to uh, bring all of these organizations under one umbrella and how's that going well the, they're all independent companies uh, but we have our own independent staff career star group does that coordinates everything and and the idea is that we want to give the customer the customer really doesn't uh, doesn't want anything complicated mm -hmm. I mean we, they, their jobs are hard enough as it is so the the senior HR executive or the person responsible for outplacement globally really isn't looking to make their work more difficult so our message is we're going to give you global control, mm -hmm. which means that you're going to be able to have consistent pricing and, and commensurate services per price per level, whatever you're, however you define your company, whether you band them or have titles. And you'll know what those services are and they'll, they'll match around the world. But the difference is going to be that we're going to provide you local knowledge and expertise in country and culture and in language. Right. Yeah. I mean, it makes a huge difference, and I'll give you an example. Uh, one of our good customers asked for us to do some work for them in Australia. And uh, so we said, of course we will. Yeah. And, uh, and no, we're not going to do it today. We're busy. <laughs> yeah, um, and so we did. And um, 
and she was very upset and called back and said, you did not escort the people off site. We, you know, you typically for, for us in the US, what you've done is you, after we've talked to them, you've met with them and you've actually left the property with them and that mm -hmm. didn't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and rather than um, come up with an answer, I said, well, let me make a few calls and make sure that I understand what happened. Mm -hmm. And I came back to her and I said, well, the reason we didn't is because uh, of the dignity laws in Australia and it's against the law to yeah. walk people out. <laughs> you can't, frog, you can't frog march them out of the, <laughs> right. the building like you can here. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, oh, that's interesting. So I think we keep running into places where, uh, and what I, what I try to communicate to our customers is, we're going to do everything that you expect from us here, and we're going to do it worldwide. But because you trust us here, mm -hmm. you can trust our partners in the other countries, and they are going to be looking to be your partner, which means they're going to do what's best for you as an organization, not simply what you told them to do. Right. And I think that's really the difference between a vendor and a partner. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, HR departments and heads of HR, which you're always talking to, are they, are they more likely to use outplacement? Are, have they heard about it? Do they want to use it? Is oh, yeah. It, I mean, it's, it seems like it would be a great call for them from a recruitment retention it morale is. standpoint. Well, it's, 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 it's a commodity now. And the, and the challenge is, is what is, what is outplacement? You know, if, uh, if we say outplacement is positively impacting the time it takes someone to go from this job to another one, mm -hmm. we think that's outplacement. Mm -hmm. Challenger and Career Star Group think that's outplacement. Uh, I hate to say this, but a majority of the industry doesn't really value, measure, or pay any attention to the time from now to the next job. They, they only pay attention to how long they're going to work with somebody. So it ends up being sort of like uh, what I used to use as an analogy, you probably remember the, the Bally Health Club model. Mm -hmm, yes. Is Bally still in business? No, Am I but get I in used trouble? to be a Bally. Yeah, so, what, so, what, so you, <laughs> remember, yes, you remember, right? You get the, you get the flyer that says we're going to waive your um, monthly dues mm -hmm. and, or your, your annual membership. You, get, you pay your monthly dues, which are dirt cheap, 25 bucks a month and, and full access to every part of the club. Mm -hmm. And uh, on January 1st, you can't get to a piece of workout equipment. But uh, on March 30th, you could shoot a gun off and not hit a person. Right. Uh, because no one goes, because change is hard. And so the outplacement process is really about helping people do what they need to do, not what they want to do. Right. And good outplacement is more about needs than wants. And most outplacement, I'm sorry to say, is not good. It's about, I'm going to babysit you and make you happy until you go away. Mm -hmm. And when you go away, if you didn't get in shape, it's not because of Bally Health Clubs, right? You could have gone, right? And you didn't go, right? Uh, and that's the uh, the plausible deniability of, of modern outplacement. So switching gears from outplacement and just talking about straight HR trends, mm -hmm. like the yeah, what does HR want? How are they? What are what are comp and benefits like these days? Sure. What can you tell us about that? Well, it gets more and more complicated. Uh, you know, you have a combination of of, of global businesses, mm -hmm. uh, in spite of what some of our uh, presidential candidates would yeah. like. We, we are going to do business globally. It's actually, uh, you know, foreign affairs and foreign trade are probably the most critical thing that we can pay attention to. Mm -hmm. There isn't anything in this room, including the phone that we're talking on, that probably wasn't manufactured right. primarily somewhere else. So um, the, the compensation structures, the retention, the cultural issues that you have to deal with around the world as a, as a multi-country uh, company 
the cost of uh, wages and labor. Uh, those are always uh, frontline issues. The human resources executive has to be strategic. They can't really be in the personnel business anymore. They're not really focused that much on labor, except by country or, or, or specific region. And so their issue is being a real business partner to the CEO. And, and, and in that, um, it's the, the challenge for them is how do we find talent? How do we keep talent? How do we train it? How do we develop it? Uh, how do we rate it? And how do we move it in and out of the organization as need be? Um, I'm, I, I laugh because uh, one, of, uh, one of our people who was a chief HR officer at multiple places at one time uh, was the chief HR officer at uh, uh, Medieval Times. Oh. And um, there's a unique challenge there. Sure. <laughs> which is that being the black knight or the white knight is the best job because all the girls like you and, <laughs> and you're the star uh, but when you get to be in your late 40s and you have a pot belly you're not quite as appealing and yet you still want that job but you can't have it uh, it kind of sums up hr in a nutshell right <laughs> you say we need people that are good at their job and can do it and when they can't do it we have to figure out a way to move them out or make them relevant elsewhere right uh, and I think that um, right now engagement is a big issue. How actually productive are your employees and how do you measure that? Right. If, you, if you understand engagement and say, my employees are at 75 or 55 or 85% of their maximum level of efficiency and productivity, how do I move the needle? Then the next challenge is getting the managers the information they need mm -hmm. and then getting them actually act on right. it. Um, and then when you take that and you move it to the level of complexity of doing the same thing in 25 or 30 countries in different languages and cultures, it becomes, a, it becomes really complex. Um, comp compensation now, uh, most large companies are looking more and more towards the variable comp side and saying, let's pay people for the work they're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody doesn't get the same raise. Mm -hmm. Everybody doesn't get the same amount for the same title. It's about being productive. Um, what's positive about that is many of the more forward-looking uh, companies now are trying to pay attention to. It's not just about you being incredibly productive. It's about making sure that the people around you and certainly your direct reports are also more productive. So developing that leadership. Developing leadership and allowing for it, nurturing mm -hmm. it, providing that sort of kelp bed for the minnows until mm -hmm. they get big enough to actually swim. Some of, some of the best leaders and managers, the ones who develop talent consistently, are the ones that actually just provide air cover and, and keep everybody off right. your back while you, learn to while you make mistakes mm -hmm. and learn. Um, and so the, the compensation structure is trying to figure out how to factor that in and say, uh, hey, Colleen, you know, what we've noticed is that, you know, 75 or 80 percent of the people that work with you go on to do really well in this organization and get promoted through the ranks and that you, you, you have a natural ability or a planned ability to develop talent. Of course, now the next issue becomes succession planning. Mm -hmm. So succession planning is really about who gets to move up. Well, if you don't have ownership of your succession plan in an organization, at least of the top two or three hundred positions, then your most talented people, again we use you and me as examples, so let's mm -hmm. say uh, you, you report to me and I get to go play golf on Saturdays because you work on Saturdays and mm -hmm. do a really good job, 
um, and everyone's saying, geez, Colleen should be promoted, but there's no way I'm letting you be promoted because <laughs> you're why I get to go play golf on Saturday, sure. right? And so you go, well, this is crazy. I'm never going to, you know, Rick's never going to bring me up. I'm never going to have an opportunity to be him. You know, by the time he retires, I, you know, I'll be bored mm -hmm. and I want, I need, I need something else to do. So we're the only place to look is outside the organization. Right. So companies understand they have to have a succession plan that says, if Colleen's talented, we have to make sure we own the job, that Rick doesn't own it, mm -hmm. that we own it, and that we have, that there's buy-in. And that's through a combination of agreement up front and also compensation for me. If I develop a really talented person like you and, and you move on somewhere else, that shows up in my, in my compensation in some way. Okay. Uh, succession planning, again, gets really complicated. Now, we already talked about taking that global, right? Because yes. you just take that compensation structure. Everything that you do when you move it to another country or multi-country becomes even more complicated. Mm -hmm. Because now what happens is, uh, and we'll talk about, since we're talking about HR issues, expat and repatriation. Right, right. And so uh, for years when you would talk with companies about uh, expat repatriation, um, there was this sort of uh, sardonic smirk and, and a little bit of frustration on the part of most management because they're like, we, we pay incredible amounts of money for people to go over to other countries and, and run an operation or a division. Uh, they become the king or queen of that particular area. Um, and then they come back and we have no role for them. Uh, so we've paid a lot of money for them to go to another country and do a job. When they come back, we have no place for them, so we also have to pay them a lot of money in severance to make them go away. On the other side of it, uh, a lot of OD people say, organizational development people say, you're effectively just training your competition's talent. So the, the more forward-thinking organizations now start to look at that global assignment and say, that's an opportunity not a liability. And if we look at it the right way and we say to you again, Colleen, uh, we'd like you to consider, we've, we've evaluated you, we think you have the ability and the talent and you have the right sort of uh, psychometric profile and, and, and personal life to be able to go to Belgium and, and work there. The assignments should be shorter than they've been in the past, which is often say three years plus. Um, we're not gonna pay you crazy money just to go to Belgium. Belgium's a pretty nice place. Um, <laughs> They have pommes frites. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we're going to bring you back. And as part, of, if you do the job that we ask we ask you to do, we have a place for you. And it's part of your succession plan. Um, the other alternative to that, when you're frustrated about how much money you're spending, is to just not do it anymore. And that's right. not practical. Right. You know, you, you're not going to be able to function if you don't have global operations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So talking about succession planning and and um, moving talent through your organization. There's a lot of talk about millennials, mm -hmm. and millennials is a workforce, and then yeah. you have the boomers who are kind of aging out. And the are, Z's on the heel of the millennials, right? Yeah, Z's right? right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you see that that age group is the same? I doubt it, all over the world. I mean, is it, or is it just always the younger people come up and they all have kind of their own quirks. It's a, it's a, it, again, because of the cultural view and, and the global view, I have a different perspective. If you'd asked me that question uh, five years ago, or if I didn't have the experience that I've had for the last four years, I think I'd answer it differently. Mm -hmm. So um, Gladwell, in one of his books, identified the millennials and talked about their incredible potential. And the potential is 
among many things, their ability to identify positive trends and negative trends. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he points to the fact that, that basically uh, millennials uh, overthrew five governments with smartphones right. and, and Facebook, mm -hmm. but they don't know what to do with and do not respect or want hierarchy. So they got rid of oppressive governments, but they had no way to replace them with anything because they didn't have any interest in or no experience with it exactly. or desire for it. And of course, in many of those countries, then fundamentalist, uh, very conservative governments came in and took over, and if not break even, maybe even worse than it was. So there's a, a great power in that collaborative nature of millennials to see clearly what is good and also what is bad. But their ability to uh, structure or maintain hierarchy is, I won't say it's impaired, it's just not how they work. Right. So now you ask that about, I think the more hierarchical a country or a company culture is, mm -hmm the harder it is for their, for you to find a place for millennials okay. because you automatically represent what they don't like and you don't really have a way to recognize their talents until they've earned their stripes. Right. And by the time they've earned their stripes, they're bored and they've left. Yeah, they left her, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, there, there has to be a change in organizations with that population. They're incredibly talented. Uh, but they operate differently. They operate collaboratively. The holacracies, the you know, the different ways that they operate, and sort of this, uh, uh, I think about my kids, you know, the sort of the group date where there's you know mm -hmm. there's four girls and five guys. And you don't know any idea who's <laughs> yeah. going out with who, but they all went no out structure. together. Yeah, yeah. There's, there was a, this amoeba went out and had a date <laughs> together, uh, but it seems to work for them. Um, but their ability to to do the things that we need done, which are the 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 STEM. Uh, uh, the this, this, this STEM areas and then also just technology in general apply that, that's critical. Mm -hmm. The jobs that uh, the, 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 the new hire would do 50 years ago don't hardly exist anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you, you look at the next level uh, which is the Gen Z's and by all indications they're going to be just as talented, just as smart, just as collaborative, uh, and maybe a little bit more altruistic. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's hope. Yeah, Let's yeah, hope. We'll great. see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And as you see those young people come in, you know, we've talked a lot about diversity in companies. Yeah. Um, do you expect to see just more of that going forward also? You want to. Mm -hmm. uh, I think expect's a strong word. So again, you look at country and company and and state and culture right. and the governments and the and both the state and federal and county governments that support them. You know, a millennial in the UK fits in pretty nicely in most organizations, from my observation. I think that's also true in Spain, most of Europe. When you go to Europe, uh, the integration is is um, I think smoother to a large degree. Uh, when you look at a, that transition in a, in, a, in, a, in a more structured, rigid environment, it doesn't work as well. Okay. Um, so uh, it's, you can't, it, it's always going to happen. Mm -hmm. you, you can't stop it. The, there, I remember when I was a, a sociology class and the, the professor gave us a, an article from the Wall Street Journal and it was a, a complaint, it was, a, it was an opinion piece, an op-ed piece um, 
about the, the youth today and how music was, was destroying them. Um, and we all laugh about that. Of course, the, the article was about square dancing. And it was written in the 1800s. <laughs> so a lot of the stuff that we think is unique and special and we're, we're going through this and nobody ever went through it is something we all go through. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, this has been a great conversation. Uh, do you have anything to add? Um, no, I, I think as, as, as I look at what we are, uh, what Challenger has been able to do, which is to stick to trying to focus on a, a value differentiator and a result and mm -hmm. saying, hey, you, there's a difference between a lot of the ways that you can do this and the way we do it. And, and that's tapped in, that's tied into the result. Mm -hmm. Well, everyone can promise a result. And unfortunately, the only way to find out if there's a difference is to use them mm -hmm. and then say, oh, yes, when I use that, it actually was better, different, um, and that was just the same old thing, just the way a restaurant would be evaluated. Right. Everybody can claim they have the best burger. Who's got the best burger? You have to eat them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the, tr the same is true culturally uh, for providers around the world and organizations that provide services globally. And so, you know, I, I, it's a commercial. I'm certainly not, uh, I'm not objective. But I think uh, Career Star Group is is that sort of ideal blend of the value and the value differentiator married up with uh, sort of seamless, easy reporting and communication, and yet customized to the country and culture. Great. Well, we will hear more from Rick going forward with some. That's my uh, phone. Now. It sounds oh, like Rick sign is very off music. Busy. But it's really a phone call. <laughs> it's perfect. Perfect. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you. And if you want to get in touch with Challenger, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Challenger Gray. We're also on LinkedIn, Challenger Gray and Christmas Inc. And Google Plus. And you can always send me an email if you have any questions at Colleen Madden at ChallengerGray.com.